0: Pittsburgh Steeler fans welcome back to another episode of Let's Ride Your Monday Wednesday Friday Morning Podcast. I'm your host Jeff Hartman, senior editor behind the steelcurtain.com. It is Friday. It is Christmas Eve. My goodness, what a great time of year. The Pittsburgh Steelers were in their stretch run. The holidays are upon us. The Steelers don't play on Christmas this year. I can say without a doubt that I am so thankful for that. If you've listened to my podcast before, you know that I absolutely dread when the Steelers play on any major holiday. We're talking about the fall. We're talking about the winter. We're talking about Thanksgiving and Christmas. I'm very thankful that this year they don't. They didn't play on either. I'm okay with the day after. The day after Christmas, the Steelers play at 425 when they travel to Arrowhead. At least that's when the game is still right now. More on that later. But nonetheless, the Pittsburgh Steelers are gearing up for that game in Kansas City against the Chiefs. We're going to talk about in this podcast what the Steelers need to do to win I've got random thoughts. Blue check back joins me in the second half. NFL game picks. And then make sure you stay tuned till the very end because that's where you get my heart to heart. And so make sure, make sure that you are ready and raring to go. Before we get into the thick of things, I want to make sure I mention dot It should be your one-stop shop for all things Pittsburgh Steelers. Whether you want film room, uh, you want features, you want the latest breaking news, you want commentary, we have it all under one roof. BehindtheSteelCurtain.com. Make sure you check it out. Also, wherever you get your podcast, let's say you're on an article in BehindTheSteelCurtain.com and you're look, listening to the, the uh, podcast in the article, or maybe it's on Twitter. Go to wherever you get your podcast, search Steelers or Behind the Steel Curtain. Subscribe, follow, whatever you have to do so that you don't miss a thing. Not just my Let's Ride podcast, but all of our podcasts, including the morning lineup of the Michael Beck Live Mike. Deputy Editor Michael Beck on Tuesday morning, the Editor St- Dave Schofield StatGeek on Thursday morning, and then you got me every Monday, Wednesday, Friday, so make sure you check that out wherever you get your podcasts. All right, we always start Friday now. I've been doing this now for like four or five weeks. I enjoy it. It's uh, really great for me to kind of just get these things off my chest. Uh, it's random. It's completely random. There's no rhyme or reason. This is not Jeff ordering things like, okay, what's the most important? What's the least important? No. This is just random thoughts that come to my mind that have to do with the Pittsburgh Steelers. A lot of it might be with recent news. Some of it might be from previous news. It doesn't matter. Random thoughts. Here we go. Number one, the news that everyone's talking about, I want to get Michael Beck's take on this in the second half, and that is Adrian Clem. Now, Adrian Clem was hired by the Pittsburgh Steelers to be the assistant offensive line coach under Sean Surrett in 2019, and then... We all know how things played out, and in 2021, he was promoted to the head offensive line coach for the Pittsburgh Steelers. So you're thinking about things like, wow, that this is actually pretty good, and everyone talks well about Adrian. Clement. He played in the league. Uh, he was, I, I believe, a he was a high draft pick for the New England Patriots back in the back in his day. Well, now the reports are that after this season, he is leaving. He's going to be taking the same job with the University of Oregon. So immediately, I'm thinking to myself, first, is this a big loss? Is this a big loss? Well, I think it's tough. Just like I said, it's tough to gauge Matt Canada with what he has to work with this year. I think it's very difficult to gauge Adrian Clem with what he has to work with this year as well. It's really easy to kind of say, oh, this guy stinks. Can you always turn nothing into something? I think that in a perfect world you could, but that's not always the case. I mean, you think about Adrian Clem. I think there's a good chance that the Steelers were hoping that they would have David DeCastro this year. David DeCastro shows up to, I think it was mini camp or OTAs. His ankle's jacked up. His ankle's jacked up. He's going to need surgery. He's going to miss most of the season. So now all of a sudden, they're scrambling, and he has to settle for Trey Turner. No one wanted Trey Turner. And then he's supposed to have Zach Banner at right tackle. Zach Banner's not ready, so he has Corver He has a starting left tackle in Dan Moore Jr. a as a rookie, rookie I should say, starting left tackle. A rookie center in Kendrick Green, and a lot of people will argue that they don't think Kendrick Green is a natural center. Whatever doesn't matter. What you think? It's what it actually is. Then Kevin Dotson, who's like the rock at left guard, he gets hurt. He's on IR. So how they're on like their fifth left guard. It's really difficult for me to gauge whether this is a big loss or not based on who Adrian Clem has had to work with so far this season. Let's also not forget, it had been, I think, until week four or week three of the NFL preseason for Pittsburgh that they finally got their, what they thought was going to be their starting offensive line on the field together for significant snaps. It took that long. So again, it's tough for me to gauge Clem in the success or failures he had in Pittsburgh. And so, but, okay, big loss. I don't know. The next part of me says, why in the world is he leaving? Look, think about when Mike Munchak was here. He was in Pittsburgh. He decides to go to Denver where well, he first interviews for the head coaching job. They don't hire Munchak. They hire Fangio. But then everyone's in, is celebrating in Pittsburgh thinking, yes, Munchak's going to come back. And then, no, he takes the same job in Denver but it made sense. He has family there. I think his kids are there. His grandkids are there. He want to be closer to his family. That makes sense. Other than the fact that Clem is a West Coast guy, grew up in California, went to Hawaii. That was where he went to college. I don't know why he's doing this, but that's neither here nor there. But that's, I don't want to read too much into this. Some fans are going to want to really pull from this, saying he wants to get away from the organization, that maybe he doesn't like Tomlin. I'm sorry, if he didn't like it here, he wouldn't have stuck around. He wouldn't, he wouldn't have accepted the job in 2021. He would have said, you know what? I, I was the assistant under Surrett. Uh, I appreciate my time, but I think I'm going to look elsewhere. That's what he would have said, and he didn't do that. So I'm not, I'm not trying to read into this. All right, the next news that was recent, uh, I wrote this article. I believe it was Wednesday night, and that was the Pro Bowl roster was released. And uh, T.J. Watt and Cam Hayward were the representatives for the Steelers, the only representatives, And I just think to myself, the Pro Bowl sucks. The Pro Bowl has always sucked, but it sucks even worse now. And I'll tell you why. This isn't like the players voting on who's the best at their position. Uh, In fact, if if you want to think about like honors, I put more stock into the NFL's top 100 than I do the Pro Bowl because it's the players that vote for the NFL top 100. The Pro Bowl is literally a popularity contest. You have teams, you have players, you have fans retweeting tweets that have hashtag Pro Bowl vote. To the What are we doing? This is literally just a popularity contest. What am I, back in high school? What are we voting for, the uh, homecoming king and queen? The Pro Bowl sucks. The game sucks. The voting process sucks. All pro, legit. Anymore, the NFL Top 100, I'll take that over the Pro Bowl. The How any team or organization... Can put a stipulation into a contract that says if you make the Pro Bowl, you get X number more dollars. How any NFL organization would do that when it's very obvious that the best players don't necessarily get voted on—it's ridiculous to me. But that's—I—I'm I, going to back off that because I could go on and on. The Pro Bowl, awful. So the, the Steelers have been banged up in a lot of different areas, and now they're dealing with COVID issues. You think about the players that are not going to be available, likely not going to be available. Thankfully, there's only one starter in the mix. That's Devin Bush, who tested positive. Everyone else is kind of depth: Zach Banner, Marcus Allen. Um, trying to think of the other ones: Anthony McFarland. So when you have these type of players, Isaiah Bugs was another one. A lot of there's there's a lot of people think, man, that's that's a big hit to the depth, and it is what it is. If you're going to hand pick players that are on the active roster to test positive, you would probably pick most of those players. I think there's still hope in this roster for a potential return, and I'm not talking about COVID. I'm talking about the fact that Kevin Dotson had his 21-day clock return started for his return off of injured reserve. Now, the Steelers have had this happen several times so far this season where they've brought a player off, they've started that clock, that 21-day window. And that player has yet to start or play in that game that week. Look at the Tennessee Titans. Coming into Week 15, they did this, this with Bud Dupree. They started his clock. He ended up playing and played significant snaps against the Steelers at Heinz Field on Sunday. The Steelers have not done that yet. Whether it was when Anthony McFarlane came off IR, whether it was when Zach Banner came off IR, whether it's when the fact that J.C. Hassenhour has had his window started yet, no one has come back and played that week. So that tells me that I'm not hopeful that Kevin Dotson is going to be back and he's going to be playing this week. I think it's more likely he plays against uh, Cleveland in the, the next week. Nonetheless, I think there is hope for his return. I just don't think it's going to be this week, and that's awful because I think he'd be a really, really big help to that offensive line in Kansas City against that big interior that just got Chris Jones back, by the way, off of the reserve COVID list. All right, next one. I find that this Kansas City game, when I think about this Chiefs game, I think it's going to be very revealing. No, not so much from an X's and O's standpoint. I mean, what else do you need to see? We've seen a lot from the Steelers from an X's and O's standpoint. What I think is going to be revealing here is that I think that we're going to see what kind of heart, what kind of pride this Pittsburgh Steelers team has. It was a question that I was asked on Wednesday during the mailbag. Someone said, where's their pride? Where's their heart? Well, it's tough to gauge sometimes, but I will say this. A game like this, heavy underdogs, on the road, no one's giving you a chance to even come close to winning the game, this is where you see what your team is made of. Even if the Steelers weren't to win, even if they weren't to win the game, but they play hard, they are getting after it, and it is close, maybe it comes down to the wire, they're giving the Chiefs a run for their money, That will be revealing. That could definitely dictate where things are headed and in what direction they're headed. So in this regard, the Chiefs game, I'm almost as anxious to see the Steelers and their demeanor, their approach, and their execution as I am as the outcome of the game. Now, you'll get my pick for the game in the second half when Michael and I do our NFL game picks, but still, this game to me is going to be very revealing. Very, very revealing. And the last random thought. So as I mentioned, the Kansas City Chiefs they're starting to get some players back off of the COVID list, and that's part of the new protocols. The players that are testing positive early in the week could potentially return, and that week, depending on if they test out, they're starting to get some players back. And and I've had several people, whether it's online on Twitter or in person, say, "Do you wish that they had? Uh, you know, do you wish that the Steelers played the Chiefs at full strength?" I understand the question. It's valid. But don't expect me to say that. Yes, I really wish that Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey played. Because you know what? At this point in time, I think it's valuable to actually get into the postseason, especially for the fact that let's assume that this Sunday Isaiah Bugs—I'm sorry, Isaiah Bugs—is not probably going to play. If Isaiah Loudermilk gets the start, it will be the fifth rookie on this team to start a game in 2021. All these young players that are playing, give them those, give them that playoff experience. Let them get to that big dance, that show. And even if they don't win a playoff game, I feel like that experience in and of itself is invaluable. So I want to do whatever it takes to get into the playoffs. And people say, well, Jeff, what about the draft position? There's not going to be that big of a difference. All these teams are log jammed together. You think you're going to get a top 10 pick if you lose the last three games? I don't think you are. I really don't think you are. You're going to be in the middle of the pack. So in this regard, I hope the Steelers make the playoffs. And when it comes to who plays, if they don't have to defend Travis Kelsey, if they don't have to defend Tyree Kill, and if maybe their kicker that was on a practice squad yanks a few because Harrison Butker tested positive, then you know what? So be it. Like Mike Tomlin always says, one man's misfortune is another man's opportunity, and that's what's happening here with the Steelers as they get ready to play the Kansas City Chiefs. But a lot can change. A lot can change. They could have all those players available either way. All right, let's talk about what the Steelers need to do to win. It's what we always do on Friday. I want to take a look back to last week's game against Tennessee and see if maybe we got things right. Okay, how do they win to beat the Tennessee Titans? Let's go back and take a look here. Let me find my notes. Found it. Here we go. All right. On offense, I said protect the football. Ding, ding, ding. They did that well. They did not turn the ball over, so that's one. Next, I said do something different. They did not do that. Unfortunately, the offense did kind of stumble. They didn't even get 200 yards of total offense. They did nothing different. It was pretty much the same old business for the Pittsburgh Steelers. And then lastly, get a lead early. No, they were down 13-3 to at halftime and then come storming back and score 16 unanswered uh, to finish the win, 19-13. to 13. So only one out of three on offense. Defensively, let's take a look. said stop the run and Tannehill, they didn't do that either. Uh, they did give up a lot of rushing yards, over 200, 201 to be exact. So they didn't do that, and Tannehill did break off a couple runs, including a rushing touchdown on a quarterback sneak. Take it away. Ding, 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 ding. Four turnovers. I'm sorry, takeaways. We'll put it that way. Four takeaways for the Steelers. They had one interception and three fumble recoveries. They did a good job there. And then lastly, find a winning combination if it exists. Maybe they did, folks. If you checked out uh, the Steelers Vertex article that Jeffrey Benedict and Dave Schofield did this week, it was on Joe Hayden. They did not play Joe Hayden the entire game, and that's worth noting. Um, Maybe this combination of Witherspoon, Hayden, Cam Sutton, maybe it can work. We'll see. All right, let's go and fast forward here to this upcoming game. The offense, I'm going to say it every week for the rest of the season, protect the football. If they cannot turn it over, it's going to be a huge step in the right direction for them winning the football game. Secondly, bring the splash. And what I mean by that is they need to have some type of splash play. I don't care if it's a double reverse. I don't care if it's a quick slant to Deontay Johnson that goes for 40 yards I don't care how it happens they need to have splash plays has to be there and lastly run the ball if they can get Kevin Dotson back boy would that be a huge boost but my goodness just run the football get minimal yardage even even if you have to just plug away three yards at a time do it can stay balanced that's important those are my offensive keys protect the ball bring the splash and run the ball defensively You have to continue to create turnovers. The Kansas City Chiefs have turned it over 25 times this year. That's a big number for them for a Patrick Mahomes offense. They haven't turned it over as much in recent weeks, but still they can do it. They've proven they can do it. they got to take it away. Next, slow down the run. Asking this team to stop the run is just silly at this point, but they only allowed the Baltimore Ravens to rush for 107 just a few weeks ago. Give me that type of performance, and you'll have a good shot. And then lastly, bend, but don't break. No one's expecting the Steelers to go out and completely shut down Patrick Mahomes and company. What you can expect, though, is to, when the field gets short and they're in the red zone, tighten up, force field goals, not touchdowns, give your offense a chance. It's what they did against Tennessee. Tennessee in the first half dominated the time of possession in the first half. That nine and a half minute drive, what did it result in? A field goal. And when they kicked that field goal, the Steelers were only down 10. The offense right now, if they're thinking anything at halftime, it has to be, we got this. We can come back. We've done it before, and we'll do it again. And they did. That's what the defense has to do. Bend, but don't break. All right, folks. There you have it, my keys to victory. We'll see if that comes to fruition. In the meantime, we'll be right back after this break. Blue check. Beck is here. Stay tuned. We're back. All right, Pittsburgh Steelers fans, welcome back to the second segment. As always, Blue Check Beck, Michael Beck joins me. Michael, Merry Christmas. If you celebrate, happy holidays. How's it going?
1: Oh, I'm doing well, Jeff. Uh, Merry Christmas to you and yours as well. It's uh, it's uh, going to be another interesting week of Steelers football, looks like.
0: Yeah, you got any big uh, gift, any what your wish list is for yourself? You got any big things you want this year that you're hoping to get? doesn't have to be Steelers-related, anything?
1: <laughs> That's a good question. Um I, you know, I, I'd always love uh, some Steelers-related merch, uh, always just trying to rep the team up here in the Pacific Northwest to just uh, beat those Seahawks fans away. Just uh, They're annoying, but uh, aside from that, uh, nothing too crazy, just uh, a little bit more time with uh, friends and family, I suppose, is kind of what I've been looking forward to most this holiday season. Nice. Uh, with, uh, yeah, of course. So
0: what about yourself, Jeff. Um, no, nothing big, nothing big. Just like time to sit down and take a breath. Um, other than yeah. that, we're good. Um, that but what I was thinking of gifts, a lot of people get jerseys. What was the last Jersey you purchased yourself? Ooh, the
1: last one I got for myself, I, I would say those, the last one I actually got for myself would have been Mink Fitzpatrick when okay. he was traded to the Steelers. I like immediately jumped on, uh, I was like, Oh, this, this guy's a superstar. Like I watched him play a ton of Bama. That one I jumped on really quick.
0: So, what was the last jersey you received, whether it was yourself or a gift?
1: Um, I believe it would have been my. Oh, yeah, it would have been Christmas last year. It was the last time I got one. It was uh, the Rod Woodson throwback that the Steelers. Uh, do you remember that? Uh, the throwback they did in ninety five, ninety six. Uh, the the bright yellow jerseys with yes. uh, like the the crest, the city crest. Yep, on the yep. front. Mm-hmm. Um, so the Steelers website dropped those last year, I believe, uh, with Kevin green and Rod Woodson and, uh, my mom actually for Christmas last year, got me the Rod Woodson Jersey.
0: That's awesome. Now, if anyone's out there and they're like, okay, I want to get the Steeler fan of my life to a, a Jersey, but I want to get them a good one. I don't want to get them one. That's going to, you know, be useless in a couple years. What Jersey should they get in your opinion? Ooh,
1: that is a good question. I, I, the safest bet right now, I think, of course, would be TJ Watt. Uh, of course, he, he has his deal done. He's one of the best defenders in football. He's putting up yeah. stupid uh, numbers. So I, so I think that would be the safest one. Um, if you want one that you can wear forever, like obviously Ben Roethlisberger would be classic, he, even, even if he does retire this year. Um, if you don't already have a number seven jersey, Jeff, I believe you have like fifteen of them. I have a lot, uh, but, yeah. <laughs> but that that's gonna be a classic one. You can wear that forever. Um, aside from that, like I always get worried uh, when it comes to buying uh, jerseys, especially if someone's closing in at the end of their contract. Uh, yeah. But uh, I, I would steer clear of receivers. Uh, I would also probably steer clear of defensive backs. Maybe not Minka. I feel like that deal gets done, but I'd wait uh, until the end of uh, this next off season if you haven't already purchased a Minkah Fitzpatrick jersey uh, until his contract gets done. But then, like, uh, rookies are pretty safe to a degree. The only thing is, if you wanted a Najee Harris jersey, uh, you got to keep in mind that running back timeline. They typically don't have a very long career, but you'd probably still have it until the end of his fifth-year option, so at least another four years of uh, use out of that.
0: Get yourself a Friar jersey. I think that's a safe bet. I don't know why I think that kid's going to stick around in Pittsburgh for a while, barring he stays healthy. So uh, yeah, Najee's a little, I love Najee Harris, but that's a tough one. Uh, but I think, you, I think I think, I think Mink is a safe bet too, but I digress. Let, let's talk about some Steelers football the news uh, that everyone's talking about right now. I want to get your take because this does swing to the Pacific Northwest, which is your neck of the woods. Adrian Clem has reportedly said that he is, he's done after this season with the Steelers. He's going to take a basically the same job with the Oregon ducks going back to college. He does have experience in the college ranks, um, what are your thoughts on Clem leaving first and foremost? Does it hurt the team in terms of the Steelers? And I, I, what are your just overall gut reaction to this? When you heard the news, were you thinking that this is a slap in the face of the Steelers or is it something more than that?
1: I, I think first and foremost, if I'm a player in that room, I'm going to be pissed, uh, looking at my coach bailing on me to go to a lower level for like, it, sure. It's possible university of Oregon could be offering more money, I suppose. But, uh, like, th- there's really nothing stopping them from doing that. But you're, you're watching this guy that's supposed to be your mentor, the guy that's supposed to, like, lead your group and, like, make you better, take another job for a, like, a lesser... It's, it's kind of like being the, the CEO of Apple, and then, like, uh, you wanted to just uh, take over uh, California computers uh, under your own power. People are going to be yeah. like, what? What, what <laughs> is this guy doing? Um, so inside that room, I bet those players are pissed. Um, I, I think to a degree... Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if Clem is doing it because he doesn't like the talent that's in the Steelers locker room Uh, like that like that wouldn't surprise me he really doesn't have any ties to Oregon he's from Englewood California Uh, he went to the University of Hawaii Um, aside from that like uh, he coached UCLA before going to the Steelers in 2019 so like I I don't under really understand the move he doesn't really have ties to Oregon as it is like sure it's a pretty good school obviously uh, in terms of uh, Pac-12 football but the way I look at it, I'm not uh, like it, it doesn't make too much sense to me, and I, I think a lot of the players are going to be mad about it. But considering it, something I've kind of been preaching this whole year, the Steelers probably need to go out and find themselves at least three, maybe four offensive linemen. Uh, this in this one offseason, uh, it, it's not a terrible time to also make a new coaching change to someone that kind of fits them better. Yeah. But uh, until that happens, uh, I hate that this news came out before the season ended.
0: It is lousy and he is a West coast guy. So maybe that has something to do with it. I know he does have, a, I think he has a son that's in high school um, in the Pittsburgh area. Maybe he's going to school there or something. I don't know. Uh, I, I kind of was thinking about the Mike Munchak move when Munchak left to go to Denver and he didn't get the head coaching job. Obviously Fangio got the job and everyone, when he they found out why he's going to do the same thing in Denver, like what the heck? And it was because he has family there and that's why he went to Denver. And then it made sense. I was looking for that connection with Clem. Couldn't find one. Everyone said that he's a good recruiter. And so maybe the Oregon Ducks brought him in and said, hey, we want to pay you X number of dollars. Maybe he didn't like the fact that he couldn't handpick the players he was coaching in Pittsburgh, although he would have a say. He's not the one that's ultimately pulling the trigger on some of these moves. I don't know. I don't try not to read too much into this. But like you said, maybe starting fresh, I get it. But this is kind of turning into a revolving door situation since Munchak left. We'll see how it plays out for sure. It's going to be tough. Now, Michael, the, the other news that everyone is talking about with the Steelers is well, COVID-19 and, and the, the impact yeah. it's having on the sport, sports world, not just the NFL, the NHL has shut down things until after the holiday break. Um, and, and you look at all these different teams, whether it's the chiefs and now obviously the Steelers, they added two more names to the list and Isaiah bugs and Anthony McFarlane. That includes the three that were added on Wednesday, which would be Zach Banner. Um, uh, Marcus Allen and Devin Bush, Devin Bush, the only starter. So knock on what that's for the Steelers. That's not horrible that they haven't had, you know, some of their big name players on that list. Uh, but still, are you of the camp? Cause we know the chiefs, they've had big name players, Tyree kill Travis, Kelsey, butker, the kicker. Are you one of those people that says we want them at full strength? Or are you someone that says, look, the Steelers need all the help they can get here. I'll take whatever it is. <laughs>
1: Typically, historically, I'm a guy that's like, I, I want best on best. But considering how this team, the Steelers team has played this year, uh, watching them drop, like get 29 points hung up on them against the Vikings in a blink of an eye or, or what happened in Cincinnati or what happened against the Chargers. Considering those matchups, heck no. I don't want the Chiefs at 100%. I don't want to watch this team go out there and get their butts kicked. I don't want to see that. If the Chiefs don't have Kelsey or Hill, their offense has been terrible. Like they don't have a number three receiver. The running game has been one of the worst in the NFL. I know the Steelers run defense is awful. So they'll still put up some numbers, but if they don't have Kelsey or Hale on offense, the Steelers have a really damn good chance of winning this game. And if Chris Jones doesn't test out of it, like the protocol, Najee Harris is going to have way more running lanes to to run through. And like the Steelers will have such a better chance of winning this game. Like, it's not even funny. So in this situation, with the Steelers, basically, if they if they could find a way to win out, they would likely be the AFC North champions just based on how, how the other teams of the North kind of have to play one another. Uh, Cleveland's got to play the Green Bay. Uh, Baltimore's got to play the LA Rams. Cincinnati's got to play the Chiefs next week when you would imagine they would be healthy uh, given timeline. So you look at all, all these matchups. If the Steelers were to win out, somehow this team could repeat as division champions. So in that sense, no, I don't want the Chiefs 100%. I want the Steelers to, to go out there, win a game that they're not supposed to before they face two divisional opponents back-to-back.
0: Yeah, it's, it's definitely, I'm, I'm right, right there with you. I talked about it in the first segment of the show, and I was like, you know what? I, you can say what you want, but if the Steelers don't have to defend Travis Kelsey, that's fine with me. <laughs> Without <laughs> Devin Bush, Okay. We're okay. Like, a I can change. And, and maybe by the time you all hear this, Travis Kelsey has been taken out of the list. And if so, then our apologies, but still at, at the time of this is being recorded, uh, you know, we're, we're definitely looking at, there's a chance that the Steelers might have a significant advantage here, but I want to, you kind of, this is a good segue into what I want to talk about next. And that is this overall freakish AFC playoff picture. It, it is a, such a jumbled mess. And then when you go even further and you look at the teams that are in the hunt, we'll say, I don't know, top 10 to 13, because seven and seven is still alive. There's 13 teams that fall under that umbrella. When you look at the remaining games that they have left, there's really a, only a handful of teams that have a pretty easy road ahead of them. Let's take a look at this. So Kansas city chiefs final three games at Pittsburgh, I'm sorry, home versus Pittsburgh at Cincinnati. And then at Denver, if you were to guess, Michael, how did they finish? Um, Just those three games. So one and two, two and
1: one. Yeah. So, in this sense, I'll have to say Kansas City will stay, like, will have some uh, COVID issues, not play everyone. I'm going to say they they lose to the Steelers, uh, and we'll get in those predictions, obviously, later. But I would say they finish two and one, beating Denver and Cincy after a a shocking loss to the Steelers.
0: Okay. So, two and one. The New England Patriots remaining schedule home versus Buffalo, home versus Jacksonville, and then at the Miami Dolphins. Like, how do they finish?
1: They go two and one as well. New England sucks in Miami for whatever reason. They so do. I, I'm also calling two and one for them.
0: Okay. Tennessee. Now they had the Thursday night game, which has not been played at the moment. We're recording this, but they host the San Francisco 49ers. Then they host the Miami dolphins. Then they go to Houston. I feel like Tennessee is the easiest stretch here uh, of most of these teams. How do you see Tennessee finishing?
1: Tennessee's getting healthy. I think they go three.
0: zero. I think they went out. Okay. Cincinnati home versus Baltimore, home versus the chiefs on the road against the Browns. Oh,
1: this is a tough one. Like, um, I'm trying to figure out between my gut and my head. Um, (laughs) I I want to, I want to tell you one and two, I I feel like they lose to Baltimore. I know they, they handled them last time and they lose to Kansas city after uh, they kind of get Lit up a little bit, um, uh, to the well, not lit up, but maybe an angry Chiefs team will if they lose to the Steelers, come to Cincinnati and smack them around. And then, of course, the Browns uh, I think will be eliminated and not playing as well at that point in the year and since he still has something to play for. I think since he goes one and two, which opens the door for the rest of the, the AFC
0: North teams. That it does. The Indianapolis Colts at Arizona, home versus the Raiders, and then at the Jaguars to finish it up.
1: I think they go two and one, uh, Arizona after that embarrassing loss, I think, uh, they dial it up this week.
0: Okay. The LA chargers at the Texans versus the uh, Broncos and then at the Raiders to finish it up.
1: Oh, this one is also tough. I, I could see it being three and or two and one for the chargers. Um, they're, they'll have a, a shot to uh, pass Kansas city if the chiefs lose a couple games, but, uh, I'm going to go two and one here. And I, I think maybe the Raiders squeak one, out, what, squeak one out over them.
0: Okay. Now Buffalo, they're the seven seed right now. They go at the, at new England. We talked about that then yeah. home versus the Falcons and then the jets to finish it up.
1: You'd imagine they go two and one. Like uh, I wouldn't be surprised. The Falcons have been punching above their weight. If, uh, if Atlanta were to be able to steal a game, Buffalo hasn't been that, that good this year. I think new England knocks them off this weekend, which would be huge for the Steelers considering the tiebreaker. Um, you kind of just got to hope uh, the Bills keep losing. Uh, so the Steelers have at least a tiebreaker over some teams. So I'm going to go with two and one.
0: Yeah. And so then you go to the, then you go to the teams that are in the hunt. So Baltimore is not even in the top seven. They're eighth. Listen to th- their final schedule is pretty brutal too. Yeah. At the Bengals, they host the Rams and then they host the Steelers to finish it up.
1: I think they could go one and two, uh, possibly even own oh three here uh, with how beat up they are. Uh, their COVID list is also a, a still, Uh, like a number of players on that list and Lamar Jackson's beat up. I know Huntley looked pretty good, uh, pretty athletic kid there, uh, backing up Lamar Jackson, but this is what I'm saying. With the, with the AFC North, uh, there's a potential that a lot of teams kind of get cold here with the schedules they got, I think Baltimore best goes one and two. Hopefully they beat Cincinnati.
0: And that's the thing. Like I'm not going to get into people that are at Pittsburgh seven, six, one or below, but you look at the teams that we just talked about and there were several teams. You said, I could see him going one and two. You know, and if you're talking about one and two down the stretch in the final three games, if the Steelers can go two and one, the window, the, I'm sorry, the door is going to be open. It's going to be a jar. It's just whether the Steelers can actually open it and get into the postseason. My last question is before we do our game picks, though, Michael, there's a lot of there's a big part of this fan base that always says the same thing. They say, well, if they get in. They're not going to do anything anyways. I personally believe that anything can happen once you get into the dance do you see the writing on the wall for the Steelers team that even if they get in, it's just not going to mean much? Or are you someone that says, Hey, this team's beaten some pretty decent teams this year. And, you know, talking about Buffalo, talking about Tennessee, uh, Baltimore, and Cleveland are still decent teams. What are your thoughts on the Steelers if they were to get into the postseason?
1: If they get Hey, I wouldn't be surprised. Like I know people trash the coaching staff. The Steelers are still a well-coached football team. Then, hey, when T.J. Watt is, is playing at his best, it seems like teams' offenses are considerably worse with how good he's been this year. I wouldn't be surprised if the Steelers could, could pick up a couple wins in the playoffs. Like, Obviously, that's what we'd want to have happen. But at the end of the day, this roster is still very flawed. I would be stunned if they won the Super Bowl. Um, I, could, I could see them win a wild card round. I could see them win a division round. If everything shaped up nicely for them and if they got a, a couple of home games, absolutely. But uh, if, if they were going to Kansas City at, at full strength and uh, at the end of, uh, what, January there? Or uh, if they're going to, oh gosh, it makes me sick to say going into New England. We know how much the Steelers struggle in Foxborough over the years. I just don't know if they can get over that hump. And then, it, heck, if they made it to a Super Bowl. Could they keep up with the offensive firepower of the likes of the L.A. Rams, or the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, or uh, or the Arizona Cardinals even? Uh, it, yeah. And for that for that reason, I'm, I'm looking at this team like they're not a, a legitimate Super Bowl threat, but they could make some noise in the playoffs. And that could be huge for building for the future. So there's nothing wrong with not winning the Super Bowl in what is realistically a rebuilding year. Like, there's a chance Isaiah Loudermilk gets his first career start this week. I'd be the fifth Steelers rookie to, to start a game this year, this is a rebuild. <laughs> they're yeah. starting too many rookies to not call it a rebuild. So that this would be an impressive year if they were to still make the playoffs and win a couple of games. To me, that is a huge building block and keeps this team a contender moving forward.
0: No, you're right. And when you think about the Steelers, I, I, if they were to make any noise in the postseason and, and, and to be honest with you down the stretch, even these last three games, they're going to have to do it the same way they did it in week 15. They're going to have to take the football away. They have to give their offense more possessions. And even though the Steelers were dominating time of possession in week 15, those extra possessions were just what they needed to win the game. That's how they're going to have to win games. Because let's be honest, this offense is not going to overwhelm anyone. They're not going to run it right down your throat and not give you a chance to come back. That's just not their MO this season. And so they're going to have to do it a different way. But let's get to the game picks. And Mike, are you ready for some NFL picks this week? Oh, I'm ready. All right, Christmas Day game Saturday, four thirty. Cleveland Browns at the Green Bay Packers. Cleveland continues to deal with COVID nineteen issues at the moment. This is recorded. Baker Mayfield still is not tested out of the protocol. They're seven and seven. They are hanging by a thread. They're also getting seven and a half points on the road. What do you think about this one, Michael?
1: I know it's a lot of points, but uh, something I've kind of been following is uh, the very annoying SB Nation page for the Cleveland Browns uh, and uh, how much how much they talk. <laughs>
0: Dogs but, by um, nature.
1: Oh yeah. <laughs> Um, and and they've, they've been pretty blunt. Even when they're healthy, this team has struggled to put up any points the last six weeks. So in that sense, they're not going to keep up with Aaron Rodgers. Uh, I got the Packers minus seven and a half points.
0: I do as well. I, Aaron Rodgers is better than Baker Mayfield. Even when he's healthy, huh. he's better than Nick Mullins. He's better than uh, Case Keenum. I'll take Aaron Rodgers at home. If I can tell you
1: off for a second sure. too on this. Yeah. If there's any team that should be going after Aaron Rodgers this offseason, it's the damn Cleveland Browns. If they're smart that's uh if they if they want to be a contender that's a team that should be doing it but let's get back in the picks (laughs) i hope that doesn't
0: happen let's just put it that way (laughs) the indianapolis colts are a red hot coming off that win over the new england patriots last saturday they're the night game on christmas day they go to arizona arizona is just up and down they lost to the detroit lions last week indianapolis is actually getting a half points basically a pick'em game michael which way you had it
1: I think Arizona's gonna be pissed after what happened last week. I, I think they're gonna have a better game plan. I think they're gonna win this game. And, like you said, it's basically a pick them. So I'm taking Arizona minus a half point.
0: Arizona is not a consistent team under Cliff Kingsbury, whatever his name is. They have just yep. always swooned at the end of the season. I like the Colts to continue to stay red hot. I think they went on this uh, Christmas day and Arizona continues to slip down the rankings. Detroit. This is Sunday at one o'clock. Detroit goes to Atlanta. Atlanta is giving five and a half. Which way are you thinking here, Michael?
1: Um, I, in a sense, this is tough because I think both teams, despite their issues with talent are both very well coached. Uh, I like Dan Campbell. I like Arthur Smith. I just think the Falcons have a little bit more in the tank and Detroit kind of won their Super Bowl last week against the Cardinals. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they put up a stinker. So give me the Falcons minus five and a half.
0: I agree. Take the Falcons giving five and a half. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers were shut out last week against the New Orleans Saints. No one saw that coming. They are giving 10 and a half points to the Carolina Panthers on the road. What do you think about this NFC South matchup?
1: Yeah, I've been going back and forth on this one for a while. Just because of how terrible that was last week. Um, I know the Bucs are dealing with a ton of injuries, but now, now they have the killer bees in their lineup, and Tony oh, Brown gosh. and Le'Veon Bell are uh, Tampa Bay <laughs> Buccaneers in uh, in their retirement years. But uh, I, I think Tampa bounces back. I know 10 and a half feels ridiculous. I, I'm going to ride with it. I I, I I, know in my heart I should go with the Panthers plus 10 and a half, but I'm going to ride with the Buccaneers minus all those points.
0: I'm going with Carolina. No Leonard Fournette. You have Mike Evans is week to week. He might not even play the other uh, receiver who I can't think of his Godwin name is Godwin tours ACL. He's done. They're relying on Antonio Brown and potentially Le'Veon bell. I mean, <laughs> it's like a geriatric village down there. You throw in uh, Tom Brady, but still I'm going to take the Panthers getting 10 and a half. I don't think they win the game, but I think they at least keep it close enough. I'll take the Panthers getting 10 and a half a game that everyone's going to be watching closely. If you're a Steelers fan is the Baltimore Ravens going to Cincinnati. Baltimore has been, I mean, John Harbaugh himself was the two-point conversions are just mind-numbing to me. But still, they're 8-6. and They've lost, I think, what, three in a row? Uh, Baltimore's getting three-and-a-half points on the road here, Michael. This AFC North matchup, which way do you see it going?
1: Oh, boy, oh, boy, we need the Ravens to win this game after dropping both those games to the Bengals. Um, In that sense, I I feel like I'm picking this game just based on what I want to have happen. So I'm taking Baltimore plus three-and-a-half that's probably a dumb way to pick games, but uh, I I just desperately want Baltimore to win this game. So I'm going to ride with the Ravens plus an extra couple points.
0: This I made this pick solely based on the fact that I'm assuming Lamar Jackson's going to play and this is a do or die game for them. And so I think he's going to play. And I think he's going to play well. I think the Ravens win this straight up and getting three and a half points. That's fine. I think the Ravens find a way to win this game. They've been so close. You're eventually going to win some of these games. Cincinnati is good. They're an up and coming team. But I just think they stumble in this one. I will take the Ravens. And by the way, Harbaugh doing the whole like talking to his team. Like that, that's a bunch of BS. Like the Ravens literally put that out there to try to save face for their coach for making a stupid decision for the third straight week, but I digress. Let's go to the LA Chargers, going to the Houston Texans. LA's getting giving nine and a half points on the road. Do they cover?
1: I think so. Um, I think the Texans have kind of like showed us their best already in their three wins. So I, I think LA a team that's desperate to continue to win games here, try to catch up on Kansas city. I think they take care of business and win by more than nine and a half. I agree. Take
0: the chargers giving nine and a half. The LA Rams go to the Minnesota Vikings. The Rams are giving two and a half on the road. This one, I'm shocked at this spread, to be honest with you. I thought it'd be bigger. What do you think, Michael?
1: Oh, and there's been some breaking news as we are recording this. Dalvin cook has been placed on the COVID list as well as a, a list of other Vikings. So hammer. Hammer the LA Rams. Uh, <laughs> two and a half is, is nothing. So uh, I was picking them before that. They're out, they're superstar running back. So I'm on the LA Rams all day.
0: I agree. Take the LA Rams now, just like you said, hammer it. Like it's seriously. Okay. The Buffalo Bills. This might be the game to watch if you're not watching the AFC North match. And that's the Buffalo Bills going to New England. The Bills need to win to keep their hopes of maybe winning the AFC East alive. Buffalo is getting two and a half on the road. How does this shake out?
1: I hate cheering for the Patriots, but to to keep pace and perhaps have a wild card possibility, the Steelers are going to need the bills to keep losing. And new England has had their number still and new England once again, is still a pretty red hot, hot team. Uh, If they don't turn the football over, it seems like they're winning games. I like new England. Uh, They beat them before without throwing the ball at all. (laughs) So I think new England does it again, minus two and a half points. I'm taking the
0: bills here. I'm taking Mm. the bills, getting points. I'd, They're an up and down team like the rest of the NFL, New England. I watched a decent amount of that game last Saturday. Wasn't impressed with Mac Jones. He's going to be good, but he's not there yet. I think Buffalo gets to him and I think Josh Allen continues to be red hot. I'll take the bills to make things interesting. The Jacksonville Jaguars to the New York Jets. This is what a crappy game. Um, (laughs) The New York Jets. You said you're not going to pick the Jets ever again this year. Are you going against your word here? Cause the jets are giving a point and a half.
1: <laughs> well, considering the Jaguars, d- despite, um, uh, bringing in a new coach, they didn't play up for him. They did no. not play up for Daryl Bevel last week. No, they, they looked didn't. terrible. So I am going to go against my own word. I'm going to pick the jets to win this game. Uh, minus the points. I think Jacksonville ends up picking first overall again, after taking Trevor Lawrence, my goodness, what a disaster.
0: Yeah. I'm going to agree with you. I'll take the jets. Uh, they're minus one and a half. That's okay. Yeah. I'll take the jets. Let's move on. New York giants. They stink too. They're going to the Philadelphia Eagles. Philly's giving nine and a half after a pretty impressive Tuesday performance. And this is a still a one o'clock game. So they have a quick turnaround for Philadelphia after they beat the Washington football team. Does that matter to you, Michael, to the New York giants? They're not gonna have Daniel Jones. I don't think for the rest of the year.
1: Yeah. I no, I I think also New York isn't going to unveil their quarterback until Saturday. I believe I saw that. Yeah, It's just uh, the Giants <laughs> like are it matters. <laughs> yeah. Philly's red hot too. Uh, I have a feeling the Eagles uh squeak out and actually make the playoffs. Despite uh, I thought they weren't going to be a very good team this year, but they're winning games and they're winning them at the right time. I think Philly makes the playoffs and I think Philly covers this spread and wins the game.
0: I was the one that said New York will keep it close most of these games early in the season, but not anymore. I think that the Philadelphia Eagles win. I think they cover that 9.5 points, take the Eagles. Now we go to 4.05. The Seattle Seahawks host the Chicago Bears. Chicago's getting 6.5. You know the Seattle Seahawks well, Michael. How does this one go down?
1: I think this is another toilet bowl compared to that other game we talked about. It's bad. But I wouldn't be surprised if Seattle lost this game. Uh, This is going to be their first losing record uh, under Russell Wilson. Uh, which is uh, something Steelers fans can't relate about. So uh, with our franchise quarterback, in case any of my <laughs> friends are listening to this. Um, so, yeah, no, I, I like the Bears plus six and a half. I think this is going to be an ugly game. This is one I'm not going to watch. Uh, I'm going to avoid at all costs, probably, as well as that uh, Jags and Jets game. So give me the Bears plus six and a half and uh, do not turn that channel on.
0: So, yeah, I, I agree with you to an extent. The uh, Seattle's in uncharted territory under Pete Carroll and then obviously with Russell Wilson they They're also a prideful organization. I think they find a way to win. And Chicago is just awful. I'll take the Seahawks at home, giving six and a half. Maybe they win by a touchdown. We'll talk about that 425 tilt with the Steelers and Chiefs in a second. Let's go to the four other 425 game. Denver going to Las Vegas. I still almost said L.A. Denver to Las Vegas. This is like a pick'em game. Only a half point to Denver. What do you think here?
1: Uh, yeah, this one's kind of confusing because uh, it really could go anyway. It's basically a coin flip uh, for the Steelers, of course, beating the Broncos but losing to the Raiders. You're going to hope uh, for the, the Broncos win. Uh, and I think that's the way it shapes up. I, I know Teddy B is, is done for the year. Oh, I believe he's done for the year. I, I think Drew Locke just gives them enough with their defense to win this game. I think, uh, yeah, Vegas is still reeling a bit from everything that's going to happen to them
0: this year. As
1: long as it doesn't become a, like a, a scoring fest, I like Denver to win this game.
0: These games that are almost pick style games, I always say, which quarterback do you like better? And I'm sorry, right now I like Derek Carr more than I do Drew Locke. I'll take the Raiders at home getting or giving a half a point the Washington football team Sunday night football against the Dallas Cowboys. Why do they still do this? I don't know. Um, But still the Dallas Cowboys are giving nine and a half in prime time in Dallas. What do you think about this NFC East matchup?
1: So uh, Heineke just got taken off the COVID list. So the the football team has their quarterback back. uh, And I I do believe Heineke plays, pretty well against the Cowboys as well earlier this year. I think Washington at least makes this a game. Uh, So I like the football team still sounds weird saying that plus nine and a half.
0: I'm going to take the Cowboys giving nine and a half Washington again, also played on Tuesday. They've also, they still have some COVID issues outside of uh, their quarterback, Heineke, Henneke, whatever his name is. So I'm going to go with Dallas giving nine and a half. Let's go to the Monday night game. What a, what a game. The Miami (laughs) dolphins and the new Orleans saints, both seven and seven it's in new Orleans. Miami is actually getting two and a half on the road. Miami's won six games in a row. It's hard to believe outside of the chiefs. They have the longest streak in the NFL right now. What do you think about this game?
1: Yeah, it really doesn't make any sense that the dolphins won uh, that amount of games in a row. It it does not feel like it by any stretch, but I, I feel like this will be a tight game. And because of that, I'm going to roll with the team. That's getting uh, some extra points here. So give me the Dolphins minus or added a, a couple points. Uh, I, I think, I think they'll at least make a game out of it. And it could be a one point thing, but I wouldn't be surprised if they won. Uh, even though the saints uh, managed to shut out the Buccaneers last week, I think uh, Miami might be able to do a little bit more, which just sounds gross saying out loud.
0: Adjust your pick if you need to, but Taysom Hill and Trevor Simeon are on COVID reserve. All Ian right. book is slated to be the quarterback for the New Orleans Saints, former Notre Dame fighting Irish quarterback. I'm going to tell I had Miami anyways. This just solidifies my pick. I'll take the Miami Dolphins on the road, getting two and a half points. There you go. So let's go to the game everyone cares about the most. That is the Pittsburgh Steelers, 7-6-1 and one going to the Kansas City Chiefs. Like I said, Kansas City's won seven straight games, and they're playing good football, but both teams have issues with COVID-19. Pittsburgh is getting seven and a half points here. Michael, how do you see this shaking out?
1: This seems ridiculous. Like if Kansas City was at full health, yeah, no, I I understand seven and a half points, but they're not. If Kelsey and Hill and Jones, if these guys aren't playing, and we also got to keep in mind, the Chiefs kicker isn't playing. They're playing a a guy off the street, a practice squad guy at kicker. That's going to be a huge factor in this. Seven and a half points. If the Chiefs can't get healthy, hammer that. Like those are my two, like the two big ones are, are hammer the Rams, hammer the Steelers. Uh, these teams should be able to cover these spreads, no problem. And and I really like the Steelers in this one, especially if Kansas City doesn't have their guys. Oh my goodness, I I think the Steelers win this game without Kelsey and Hill in the lineup. So I am hammering the Steelers plus seven and a half. Easy money.
0: What's your score?
1: So I still think it's fairly low scoring. Um, I I think the Steelers offense still struggles. Uh, I think there'll be some turnovers, but I think we'll also see the Chiefs uh, inability to score. I think they score one touchdown, Kansas City that is, and I think Chris Boswell uh, has one of those days where it's like he's the guy that ends up winning the game for the Steelers. My final score prediction, four field goals for the Steelers, 12 to 10 Pittsburgh oh Steelers God. victory. And it's going to be an ugly game. That, that's <laughs> that's my pick.
0: Oh, all right. So for me, I have it being a little bit higher scoring. Um, Kansas City's defense is good. They've been playing good football. But I feel like the Steelers, uh, their pass defense is kind of their weakness, and I think that sets up well for the Steelers if they can just keep Ben Roethlisberger upright. And that's a big if. I ha- th- th- Like I said, if the Steelers are going to win, they have to revert back to what they've done the last two weeks in terms of getting the ball back for their offense. They've had six takeaways in the last two weeks. They need to continue that trend. The Kansas City Chiefs have turned it over 25 times this season, which is a staggering number. Now, they've done a better job, but I think they can, they can take advantage of some Patrick Mahomes pressing, especially if they don't have Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey. He's going to try to probably squeeze some footballs into some tight windows. They might be able to take advantage. I think the Steelers went on a last-second Chris Boswell field goal to make the final score. Steelers 24, Kansas City Chiefs 23. So that's what I have. Ooh. So I, Again, I'll take the Steelers getting seven and a half. I have a good feeling about this game, Michael. I got to be honest. I don't know what it is. I shouldn't. I should be definitely a guy that looks at this and, with, you know, pretty cynic, you know, pretty cynical and uh, that's probably not going to happen. But still, I have a good feeling. But all right. So, Michael, this is the last time we'll talk. Until next week, we have any final thoughts for those out there listening?
1: Oh, hey, if the Steelers win this game, all of a sudden we're going to start talking like AFC North title. And, and that blows my mind, considering what we've seen from them the last month and change, I suppose. But uh, things are happening. So sometimes it's better to be lucky than good, and it, it feels like the Steelers might be uh, facing that a, a little bit here, but they got to take care of business. So I guess also my closing thought is to wish all of Steelers Nation a m- very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Hopefully we can be celebrating an AFC North title and uh, perhaps a, a nice playoff run in the new year, but uh, it's always an exciting year. Uh, It's always exciting to be a Pittsburgh Steelers fan, I should say. And uh, hopefully uh, they give us some uh, things to be happy about in this new year.
0: Absolutely. Michael, Merry Christmas to you. We will be talking before the new year. So have a good one. Enjoy your family and friends and I'll see you next week.
1: Yeah. Merry Christmas to you, Jeff. And uh, as always, thanks for having me on. Uh, No problem.
0: All right, Pittsburgh Steelers fans. Thanks to Michael Beck. As always, I wish him a Merry Christmas and I want to get into the heart-to-heart to finish out the show here. My heart-to-heart simple. Christmas is a very special time. It is a very special time of the year, and I know that it is also a difficult time for a lot of people. I understand that there's some that might be celebrating this holiday in a different mental space. What I mean by that is maybe you lost a loved one this year, someone that you used to cherish around this time of year. Maybe this is your first Christmas away from home. Uh, Maybe this is your first Christmas where you're just kind of trying to figure out what your new traditions are going to be. Maybe it's your first Christmas with a family. Maybe it's your first Christmas with a child. These are all both frightening and scary and exciting times. The one thing that I can suggest and the one thing I want to leave you with here on this podcast on Friday is the ability to cherish everything about the holiday. So let's say you did lose someone. And this is a tough time, and it doesn't have to be you lost in this year. Maybe it's just someone that always comes to mind that was a big part of your life. Don't dwell on the negative. Don't sit there and dwell on the fact that that person's not here. Likely that person would want you to be happy, thinking about those good memories, thinking about the fun that you had. Think back, and it's okay to cry, but it's okay to also laugh and smile and say, my goodness, those were great days. I miss them. But I really enjoyed that time. And if you're starting a new family, let's say it's a child's first Christmas, then celebrate and just be happy and be there and and do things like put the phone away. Don't have the TV on. Just focus on them and just live it up. Soak every second in to every single moment. Treasure these times because especially if you've lost someone, we all have in some capacity, you'll miss it when it's gone. Never take a holiday for granted. Always appreciate each other. Tell everyone that you love that you love them. Give them hugs and just do whatever you can to make things special. Start new traditions. Do whatever you have to do. That's my message for you. All my listeners, my ride or die crew out there, I wish everyone a very, very Merry Christmas, a happy holidays, and I will be back on Monday, hopefully celebrating a Pittsburgh Steelers victory, doing winners and losers, so make sure you check that out. In the meantime, folks, as we always finish it out, be safe, be kind, and God bless. Have a great weekend, everyone. Merry Christmas. Go you.